Hi, welcome to Crossing Borders Conversations, creating dialogue around migration. My name is Owen Savage. At Crossing Borders, we empower people by creating spaces for dialogue around some of society's most important issues. The aim of this podcast is to create conversation around these topics and inform you of some of the work we're doing across the world. As of April 2021, Denmark decided to revoke residence permits for Syrian refugees. Denmark claims that Damascus and the surrounding areas are now safe to return to, but is the first European state to do so. The UN High Commissioner for Refugees, along with Amnesty International, has expressed concern over Denmark's decision. Some 35,000 Syrians currently live in Denmark, more than half of whom arrived in 2015. Some of those who have been given a temporary residence permit have been placed in a detention centre and some have been subject to questioning from immigration officers about their Danish proficiency and level of integration. Due to this, there have been recent protests in Denmark. I spoke with Morten and Agab from Trampoline House, an organisation that works to ensure the sustainable integration of asylum seekers and refugees. I started off asking them about why they took part in these protests. I think the reason I went there just because I... I somehow feel, you know, uh, this also means a lot to me, you know, that, uh, of course, my residence is still working, so I'm, I'm, I still have the right to be here, but but next, maybe the coming days, it could be me next time, you know, so I just yeah. felt uh, responsible to just show up and, and hear the uh, young people speeches and stuff. Um, yeah. Right. And how about for you, for your mom, from your perspective? Well, yeah, I'm, I have a Danish citizenship, so uh, I'm on the in the safe zone. But uh, I think that for me, uh, the, uh, the the approach of uh, you know how how the uh, Danish government nowadays um, um, treat democracy uh, is a threat to democracy itself uh, mm. this way of using uh, uh, scapegoats that are sort of uh, you know refugees most often is really dangerous to the way that that they uh, you know the, the, the way that they uh, they're destroying society uh, yeah. I'm speechless mm. when it comes to the way politicians are uh, abusing their uh, their uh, chair in the parliament nowadays. And what do you think it is, especially about Denmark, that is allowing this kind of uh, decision to be made? Because when I, yeah, when I was reading about this sort of decision, they were talking about how yeah, nobody else in European states have decided for uh, deeming. Damascus to now be a safe place to return to, but is uh, the Danish government are acting in that way? But from your perspective, why do you, why do you think as someone um, living in Denmark? Well, for me, actually, I I still don't believe what is happening. You know, like or it's really hard to digest what is what has been like been said. Like yeah. Uh, for so long time, but I mean, like, we're talking about Syrian right now, right? So, it, it just doesn't make any sense for me, you know, because, uh, like, well, Syria is still in war, you know, like, uh, seriously, I don't know how to, uh, 
to convince someone that Syria is in war. You know, I cannot prove that. You know, by uh, just by speaking. You know. Yeah. But it it just feels like the more uh, the you know the more evidence we have. You know, and like. Uh, uh, like the the less people believe in facts, you know, like uh, like it has been ten years. We were just celebrating the ten year uh, anniversary, you know, of, of the Syrian revolution, and, and things are getting even worse, you know, because Assad is going to be reelected. You know, this is uh, this is going to be like uh, hell, you know, like uh, um, so. I don't really get it, like the way they. Consider like Syria and uh, you know and the surrounding of uh, uh, Damascus and the surrounding that it's is safe you know and where like there are so many uh, reports so many researches you know like uh, saying the opposite you know but the government are still uh, you know insisting and are, are like not even apologizing for what they have actually. So the recent report that uh, was some some of the researchers that has been involved in uh, studying the situation, you know, there that uh, I heard like eight or nine people have said that this is wasn't this wasn't what we what we actually said. So this is not true. So also oh, the government almost misused. Yeah. So they misused all these information, you know that. Uh, People have been working on in in 2018 or something. Um, it's just hard to to believe that it's you know that this is going to happen. So now revoking people's uh, permit, you know, like thinking that it's more uh, uh, useful uh, for people to be in a in a deportation camp, you know, where most of the people are like. Uh, and the students or working or whatever, you know, so it, it's just so painful, you know, like, uh, I really felt that it was so um, painful to see these young people on the, uh, at the demo, you know, like, yeah. speaking about their life here in Denmark and, and it, everything was said in Danish, you know, like, like, how the hell do you, you know, like, uh, uh, the, can, how is this possible even like yeah. uh, and what do your because your some of your Syrian family now live in Sweden don't they exactly yeah. Yeah. so have you noticed like so how have they reacted to this sort of Danish news compared to what they experience in Sweden well my um, my mom is actually a Swedish uh, got Swedish citizenship like uh, half a year ago and she uh, and she arrived to Sweden a year and a half or two years after me yeah. arriving to Denmark. Um, but maybe my friends are like, you know, just like, uh, seriously, are you okay? You know, how seriously do you, how do you, how is it even possible uh, for you to stay there? Are you considering going somewhere else or what are your plans? And, you know, yeah. and I just say the same things that I, as I just said to you, you know, that I, I seriously still don't believe it that it's, but I'm also afraid that it's sure. gonna happen, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And how about you, Morton, from the perspective of? Well, the you day? know, I started uh, recently uh, to promote uh, both on Twitter and Facebook um, this uh, hashtag uh, social fascism, mm -hmm. because I think that uh, social democrats are actually 
moving away from uh, democracy and straight towards uh, fascism. And it's by the time to call it out, uh, because the way they uh, abuse and destroy democracy uh, is uh, really uh, beyond comprehension. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm speechless. Mm. And I think that it needs to be called out um, uh, because uh, it's not even necessary. I mean, they, I mean, they claim they have all these problems of integration, but it's not true. I mean, we, we proved in uh, Trumpin House, where we, both of us were working for uh, many years, we proved that it's possible to integrate uh, people if you use the right tools. And uh, if you ask the uh, municipalities around in, uh, in Denmark, they say, well, uh, we actually, especially in the western part of, of Denmark, they say, well, actually, we, we want more refugees because all the Danes have moved to Copenhagen. So it would be really nice to get more po population. Uh, and, and they said, well, this is cool. Uh, it's, uh, you know, these people work. And uh, if, if we find work for them, uh, it's not a problem. Um, all this is being, has been lost since they created this paradigm shift where the focus is on returning people. And the insanity of this proposition to revoke uh, 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 like the uh, permits for refugees from Syria right now is that they know they can't send them back. So they are going to end up in uh, Castle Gore and uh, now. They know that this is insane. They know that it is, they're just destroying people's lives. But they do it anyway because, and this is what Rasmus Stockland said on the radio, because it's very important that these people do not get more attached to Denmark than to Syria. Because, because if they are, it's going to be hard sending them back in three or five years when the conflict is over. So they know the conflict is not over, but they say, we have to put these people in the camp so they forget about Denmark. They do not become integrated. And, you know, this is, if, if, that's, if, if that's not fascism, I don't know what is. Well, this is, oh, yeah, this, is, this is also feels like sometimes like it's just uh, their way, you know, now they call it, uh, uh, you know, you can go voluntarily home, right? But it just feels like they, it shouldn't be called like that. So they like, uh, so, so they they actually uh, uh, all all the things they do are against human rights and against uh, all the you know uh, international uh, you know laws and organizations and stuff. So it it just feels like um, just putting people there to kind of give up you know and then they would say okay i want to go back home so like forcing people so it's also a way like you are uh, uh, forcibly like urging you know people like putting them in this place where they lose uh, hope and everything you know because they can't while they're in that situation they can't yeah, even engage with the things for which to keep them living a healthy life, like doing doing their work or learning something, that's all. Exactly. Yeah. You have so limited access to to everything, you know, like you have, 
you you are nothing. You're just a number. You're just a statistic. You know, like being there and 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 also outside of the camp. You know, like as a refugee, it's uh, it's it's also the same. But there, it's even like uh, the worst. It's even worse than being in a in a Danish prison. You know. Um, and how did so you were both involved with trampoline house and how do you see how do you see trampoline house as a in relation to what you just talked about so you have this sort of people being in detention centers and almost being starved of doing the things which keep you going as a human being and what did trampoline house offer uh, in comparison to that or in contrast to that I think what we tried to offer was uh, the citizenship of Trampoline House, which uh, of course was not the same, it didn't have the same value as citizenship to Denmark, but um, it was about carving out a territory and, and at one moment, like for five years, we had a territory of 500 square meters and then some because we had the backyard as well. <laughs> Um, and we were constantly trying to incre increase, uh, you know, the the territory. Uh, but the reason why we needed that was because <coughs> because of the structural racism in the Danish society. Is it has a, a, like a, it? I mean, it, nobody wants to recognize it, and that's the worst situation when people don't want to recognize the racism that they are actually uh, uh, you know swimming in. it's all over the place if it's unrecognized it becomes dangerous and and the, especially in the Danish society much more so than in any other of the uh, societies uh, in Europe because we don't even recognize that we have a colonial past mm. so so there's just some really important work that has never been done in Denmark. And and we felt 10 years ago when we started Trampin House that it was impossible to uh, to um, uh, change that without being able to experiment with more inclusive democracy. Yeah. And that's what we wanted to do in, uh, in, uh, in Trampin House and that's what we did for 10 years. And you know, there's a lot of, now that, that we have lost the house, uh, it's very easy to say that, oh, it was perfect. Of course it wasn't perfect. <laughs> there was a lot of problems, but we were trying to deal with them. And, and as long as you have a territory, you have a possibility to try to deal with things uh, when, uh, when problems arise. Um, and just break, not to cut you off, but for people who haven't heard of Trampoline House before, Maybe could you just say a few things that you that was done there that would usually yeah. happen? Who who went to Trampoline House? Yeah, well, it's uh, the house was mainly actually for uh, asylum seekers in the in the very beginning, and then so th that was the main focus, and then uh, slowly the house started dealing with asylum seekers, uh, refugees. Uh, and all other citizens. So, so actually, um, like, um, let's say last year. So you would you would come in the house. You would meet people from all over the world. You know, like you would. So we also had volunteers. We had interns. We had uh, um, guests. You know, like people would just come 
hang out and hear about the place. Uh, researchers would come there. Uh, um, yeah, but the main focus was refugees and asylum seekers, and all the the activities were also designed to kind of, you know, uh, so live up to their kind of. Uh, um, what they needed, so the, the, the activities were also actually uh, like uh, people's wishes, you know. So they were like okay. they, so yeah. people always wanted to talk to a lawyer and or learn Danish or English or something. So all these activities so there's also throughout these ten years practical like, help evolved. in the asylum process, yeah, as well. Okay, yeah. And when we spoke yeah, the other day, you mentioned this, this sort of idea, I was quite interested in as um, trampoline house as, as sort of an art project almost, as an art project in um, reality. And could yeah. you, I was wondering if you could say a little more. Yeah, about that. I mean, the, the reason why we were an art project uh, basically was that it was started out by artists and, and you could also, I mean, I would say that we used our experience from the art world to uh, position Trampin House uh, as an artwork within the society. And that's a little, sounds a bit strange, but if you think of a traditional artwork, a painting, and you put it up in a gallery or in a museum, then you know it's art because it's in the museum. <laughs> uh, and then what happens also is that very often it loses its political value the moment when it hits the gallery wall mm -hmm. because it is inserted into the symbolic world of the art, uh, the art world. The art world is a symbolic uh, place where it's not supposed to have direct political consequences, social consequences. And that's why politicians like that the art stays within the museums and in the galleries because it's safe, it's not dangerous anymore. You might have an artwork that that's, has a political uh, value, but as soon as it hits that wall, it is devoid of that value. Now, as an artist, I've been very pissed about that <laughs> for a number of years. I wanted, I wanted to, to, uh, to reinsert the art into the public discourse so that it became re-politicized. Mm -hmm. And that's what we tried to do with uh, Trumpin House. We tried to create an artwork that would perpetually, um, you know, uh, be obnoxious <laughs> and be relevant, be, uh, you know, being able to, to produce social change. And that's what the Trumpin House was able to do. Then people start talking about now it's, uh, so, now it's social work, it's not art anymore. But this is where uh, we as artists were really um, focusing on how to keep the house as a symbolic, um, as a symbolic value that would keep being relevant as a critique of uh, society. Okay. And that's why our website and you know all our activities were always we were always speaking about. Uh, Asylum seekers need better conditions. Most of the people who work with refugees and asylum seekers today, they don't dare speak about it. They make mm -hmm. projects and then they don't talk about that they are involving refugees because it's a way of surviving. Mm -hmm. 
we couldn't do that because then we would have lost our <coughs> our uh, mandate as 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 the signpost yeah, in society. Why, well, why is that a way of surviving? Is that to do with funding for the projects or? Yeah, because with... most people don't want to fund uh, refugees in this climate. Okay. You know, it's much easier to uh, to uh, talk about uh, uh, youth that are uh, you know in danger somehow, like the precariat of the. Uh, Young people. If I may elaborate on this, actually, like also that we, um, so the things we were discussing in the house, like weren't really discussed other places, okay. you know, like with asylum seekers, you know, especially asylum seekers, because uh, surprisingly or maybe not, I'm I'm actually like. Uh, because I've met so many people and and no one knows or like very few people knows how camps are designed, you know, in Denmark, mm. and how people are uh, in, 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 in what kind of conditions and circumstance are people, you know, being uh, placed in these places. Uh, and uh, they have, like, no one gives them, uh, like, the opportunity to speak out or to say what they want, you know. So it's like, uh, here you go, you have this, you have that, and... You can't come late. You have to be this. Uh, 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 it's very scheduled. You know, like schedule and very tight. You know, like uh, um, so. Yeah. So I think we were discussing issues that uh, even mainstream didn't. You know, like uh, discuss. You know. Yeah. Like you put on the TV, you hear refugees, and but but no one talks about. Uh, I think there has been a few videos about camps, but I I always feel that. The, the, there is not much change, you know, like uh, I've been to uh, uh, so many, I've been volunteering and also working in different NGOs, you know, but it, it feels like I'm, I'm really just always bumping in the, in the same people, you know, like meeting the same people and like uh, discussing the same issues and the issues are still there, you know, and like it just feels like uh, never-ending, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 drama, uh, whatever, you know. And do you think those, the sort of things which were being discussed in Trampoline House, as this sort of, the dialogue happening there about what the camps in Denmark are really like, um, and what, yeah, this, the experiences people really have in there, were you able to get that into the Danish mainstream at all, or is that just very difficult to to make other people hear about it? Or is it... Well, you know, I I think probably obviously we did we didn't uh, manage to succeed with our goals uh, because uh, then we wouldn't have been in the need we wouldn't have been where we are today with this uh, racist government. <laughs> so, like one. Uh, one uh, achievement that we weren't able to to at least get close to, but um, um, I think that uh, well, I don't know. Uh, please rephrase or say it again. I forgot. Well, I just meant like how. Um, so you were having this sort of alternative, well, not alternative, but um, conversations about real, you know, refugee experiences or asylum-seeking experiences in Denmark, mm. and you said that when you 
um, you know, often having these conversations which go round and round within NGOs and within certain circles. Yeah. So I was just asking about your experience of trying to get that message out to more mainstream people in Denmark. Yeah. Almost, do you, like I wonder if, like you said, actually it's quite sort of hidden almost, the mm. real experience yeah. of what it's like to be in a camp. Yeah. So how do you think we can get, how do you get that message so that most Danes know about it? Because I, I doubt they do really, mm. so. almost people, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, I think it was really hard work, you know, for us because, like, um, also the politicians always like they they use the their time and their power, you know, just to promote their own agenda, you know, mm -hmm. and like, uh, um, so so we were of course fighting to uh, you know to bring awareness and like uh, uh, and teach people about you know like these issues, but. But when at the same time you, whenever you put on the TV, you know, like the news is just uh, sort of like just uh, refugees, they're bad, they're, uh, you know, here to steal our country, here to rape our women and, you know, like these kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, like hate speech and, you know. Yeah. Mm. The way I see it is that uh, it was really hard to, to get uh, our, uh, our message across. To, uh, to the big society, mm. but there was another extremely important part of the house, which was that it was actually a functioning democratic culture, which by the virtue of its existence was proof that another world was possible. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that actually attracted a lot of people. I mean, we never had a shortage of, uh, of, uh, of people in the house yeah. because people actually liked the idea that, it, that this was possible. <laughs> and then uh, it became like an experimental uh, uh, platform for democracy. And that's quite interesting because of what we've spoken about before, of so why the democratic issues in Denmark and uh, you've mentioned before the sort of how difficult it is to gain citizenship in Denmark yeah. and how that relates to um, voting and democracy in Denmark mm -hmm. in general and I was wondering if you could yeah, say yeah. a little more about that issue I find that interesting. I think you asked before uh, something about uh, like this uh, like uh, what is the what, why do we have this uh, uh, racist discourse? So why is it so strong in Denmark? Yeah, and I've been thinking about that for ages. <laughs> I have one possible answer. I'm not saying it's the truth, but but I've been wondering why is it that the politicians are so happy with making it harder to get citizenship. They say that uh, citizenship should be uh, a present or you know a privilege. Uh, they have all these ideas, and that we have to maintain Danish culture, and this is the way to do it because you only get citizenship the moment when you have proven that you are truly Danish of in your soul, you know. And and then it's like, what does that even mean? Um, I think it's an impossible question. Like, how can people be Danish in their soul? Just like, it's like going to uh, the priest telling them, I want to be a Christian. The priest 
is not he's going to baptize you if you say you're Christian. He's not going to try to scrutinize like do you really have a Christian soul? It's not possible, but they still want to do that. And and um that's where we're heading towards this kind of fascist notion of of Denmark. Um I think it's all about power. And power in a democracy is about who has the right to vote. We have um, I checked it. I checked with the Danish uh, Denmark statistic. They have, you know, they it's an it's, Denmark statistic is an amazing institution. You can ask them about anything and they will give you elaborate answers. In Denmark we have 4.2 million uh, who can vote right now. We also have 613,000 uh, who live in Denmark and who are above 18 who cannot vote. That's like roughly an eighth, an eighth of the population who are outside of the uh, political discourse. Mm -hmm. It so happens that a lot of them are brown. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we would have a changed discourse, a better uh, discussion if they could vote because if i mean if there are 600,000 more votes and and half of them are brown then it would not be wise to abuse them in the pub, in the in the media yeah <laughs> because they know what what would happen yeah. if if these people got you know the right to vote yeah, yeah. i i think it, it yeah it's interesting and scary at the same time you know like uh, like saying at the same like saying on one hand that you want people to to contribute you have to have a job you have to have a education you know and you have to integrate and mm -hmm. and on the other hand you you tell people you're nothing you as soon as it's possible for us to send you back home we we will do that you know then why the hell you want people to integrate in this society mm -hmm. and feel 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 they belong here you know because yeah, this feeling I have sometimes, seriously, you know, that I, I, I don't feel home completely. But I'm lying if I'm saying that I. It's always like this, you know. I I speak the language. I work here. I I have family here. I have friends here. You know, I've even friends more than I have made in Syria. You know. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, but at the same time, knowing that I'm. At one point, this will just be rubbish, you know, like, this will just be uh, uh, whatever, like, uh, if it's seriously up to me, you know, that, that uh, do you want to leave, then it's, um, I don't think I will ever leave this place, you know, but, but when you always, like, speak to me the way the politicians speak, you know, like, I will seriously start hating this country, you know, mm. and even its people, you know, because uh, there must be a, a, something wrong, you know, these politicians are also voted in uh, the parliament by, you know, the, the citizens in, the, in Denmark, you know, and it shows that also that there is lack of, uh, you know, understanding, lack of humanity, uh, solidarity, you know, and all that. Um, so it's really stressful when you, from day one, you get this message that you are here on on a temporary stay, you know, like, uh, so I, uh, um, you know, like you, you, you can never make your own decision. You can, 
you, you cannot plan for the future, you know, like uh, if, if I knew that this would happen and, and if I was one of these people from Damascus that my residents were about to be revoked, you know, then I would, uh, I would, seriously, I would just leave the country, you know, like uh, I would not even have the, the, you know, the passion to just go and complain and, you know, do all these things, you know, just to break out of, uh, of this place, you know, like, uh, and that's what worries me because if there's people we need in this country is people like Arab. Um, I have known, I've known this guy since 2012 and, <laughs> and you know, it's not, I don't want to talk about, uh, like one individual, mm. but I know also hundreds of other people yeah. <laughs> who came to this country with a plan with a plan first they came because they were super scared and, uh, and, and needed protection but suddenly it started developed into some kind of plan of having a life and uh, and that's so much we need uh, these people these people people like Aga to teach us yeah. um, I have I have learned so much about democracy by working in Trump and House for ten years, and and you know it made me so uh, happy. <laughs> you know it was like wow, this is amazing. There's so many options, so many possibilities, and people are ready to work yeah. on this if you let them. But the way that that uh, that they are uh, you know defining boundaries again now in in the Danish uh, government, the way that they are, they're trying to you know uh, change the territory of, of Denmark is really really scary, uh, and I don't need, I don't think I can live <laughs> in this society that they want. No. Uh, it's not healthy. It's not a healthy place to, to live, um, and we have to fight it. As a Dane, I have to fight it. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for your help. Uh, and that's why. That's also why. Why I wanted to have the Trumpen House as as a, as a territory because I needed the help of the newcomers to to save Denmark from itself. Mm. There's one one thing maybe I should actually mention here. You know that uh, um, I didn't choose Denmark in the first place. You know, like. Uh, so I, I, I left, maybe we don't need to go in details about this, my, uh, my journey, you know, that, uh, that is still uh, didn't finish somehow, you know, I feel sometimes, seriously. Still on. That I didn't, my plan was, I was, I was heading to Sweden, just because I have some family members there, you know, relatives and stuff. So, and even didn't have any idea about the Swedish or the Swedish culture, society and so forth. So I was, uh, I was scoped here. So when people ask me, uh, why did you choose Denmark? I will tell them it was a mistake actually. Uh, so I was uh, unlucky, but, uh, but after some time, you know, like after a year or two years, I started telling people that actually I was lucky, you know, that I was scoped here because I really like this place, you know, that I I somehow found my way to like this place and it worked out for me, you know, and I went to Sweden many times and I, I just felt that, uh, well, Sweden is nice, uh, fun and everything, 
but um, I have a life already there in, in Denmark, you know. Although I like spend uh, almost a year and a half in in camp, you know, like uh, um, that was uh, yeah, so useless. I did nothing, you know, like it was just. Uh, so in the first year, I hated everything, and then I started liking this people, this country, the language, and everything, you know. But now I'm feeling that I'm actually going back to the first year when I arrived. Mm. You know, now with this uh, shit storm, you know, about the Syrian, that I... Uh, and it's hard for me, you know, to, like, I'm, I'm trying to uh, resist all these, you know, like, just not to start having this, uh, 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 you know, what you call, uh, like, uh, having this hate, uh, uh, you know, which is very ugly, you know, that I I really hate to have. I never hated anyone or anything or any uh, country or anything, you know, like that. But uh, but I feel that slowly this uh, these things are coming back to me, you know, that uh, I was speaking to a friend the other day that... Uh, I seriously, if I get the opportunity to go somewhere else, I would, um, I would consider this. Where before I would not even consider go leaving. Maybe I would like to. I used to say that I would like to go and leave somewhere for half a year just to to do something that I of my choice, you know, like because I I left the country that wasn't even my choice. I. I, uh, you know, all the things I've been through that were kind of made uh, by other people or, uh, you know, yeah. All right. And I was just going to, um, I was going to finish off because I wanted to just ask you if there are people listening to this podcast who would like to get involved with the sort of trampoline house cause or maybe get involved with um sort of protest you're engaging in against the sort of Danish government decisions, like how could they go about that? And possibly you could actually just say what's happening now with uh, Trampoline House and what your plans are. Yeah. Well, we're hoping to uh, to start up uh, a weekend Trampoline House. Uh, I mean, the, the problem, our challenge is that uh, we were, we're homeless now. Uh, I mean, we lost uh, the building that we were um, living in, <laughs> and uh, the, we we need to we need to have a new uh, a new place where we can gather and discuss what will be the future of Trumpet House. Because actually, I mean, us sitting here, we are both working uh, for this weekend Trumpet House, but actually, we cannot ourselves define how we should continue because uh, we need we need the people from the camps to tell us that so and that's why we need uh, a weekend trampoline house where we can meet up discuss and figure out what will be the future uh, because that's how the house has always worked at the house meetings we were discussing what will the next step be and and what are the, the huge problems that we need to uh, start trying to solve. Um, most likely, we will have uh, somewhere to meet within one month to one and a half months. So we will call for people to show up uh, at this place 
um, and you should uh, you know uh, stay stay tuned on our our Facebook and uh, our uh, website because there will be there will be uh, calls for uh, action uh, within the next month or so. Thanks to Morton and Agab for joining us on Crossing Borders Conversations. Crossing Borders works with migrants and refugees in Denmark and internationally. If you want to help us empower people through dialogue, consider becoming a member for only 25 kroner a month at crossingborders.dk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>